Welcome to a very special social distancing season of Consumed, the podcast about life and flavor across California, and especially at its heart, the Central Coast. I'm Jamie Lewis. Every quarter, I publish 10 conversations I've had with eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers, but this season is a little different for obvious reasons. To keep things healthy and safe, I'm conducting interviews via Zoom. Thanks for bearing with me in this new, uncharted territory. Before we get started, I have to tell you about a recent conversation I had with my friend, James Onaveros. He's the farmer and owner of Ranchos de Onaveros and Native Nine Wines in the Santa Maria Valley, and I interviewed him in my first season. Anyway, we were talking about COVID and how much it's affecting everything in the hospitality industry, and then I said, yeah, I question whether or not I should even bother doing another season of Consumed right now, given how scary and difficult everything is. James stopped me right there and said, no, Jamie, we need these conversations now more than ever. James is a born storyteller, so I get why he thinks stories matter. But when he said he wanted to sponsor the next season of Consumed, I knew he really meant it. We need stories about our experiences, how we fell in love with food or wine or brewing or baking, and we need it right now, when so many of us have to put our passions on the back burner just to survive. So, I'm letting James and Ranchos de Anaveros help me, and I fully intend to help him. Find his exquisite Pinot Noir and Chardonnay wines at ranchosdeonaveros.com and check out his new restaurant, The Station in Los Alamos, where you can get takeout on the weekends. Find The Station at thestationlosalamos.com. And as always, Consumed is sponsored by the awesome people at Slow Life Magazine. In preparing for their first post-coronavirus issue, I've been so impressed by how resilient they are and how focused they are on the local community. I cover food for Slow Life, so it's been tricky finding a good way to write about restaurants without stressing them out. But the Slow Life editor suggested I write about farm boxes and CSAs, which is a brilliant idea while those services are going bananas with growth. The point is, Slow Life is a source of community and calm right now when we're all separated and anxiety is running maybe a little high. Look for a copy in your mailbox every other month. And if you're not already in the know, subscribe at slowlifemagazine.com. Janine Stone is the brains behind A Bitch in Kitchen, a project that began as an irreverent blog about vegan, gluten-free, and sugar-free cooking. Today, it's also a food delivery business, bringing oat milk, granola, and cookie dough in vast quantities to hungry homes across the Central Coast. And guess when it all began? The day the coronavirus shut everything down. Yes, that may feel like many years ago, but it's only been a few months that A Bitch in Kitchen has been around. Plus, it's not even Janine's full-time job. Primarily, she's the one-woman show behind If You Give a Girl a Saw, her woodworking and furniture company that was named America's number one maker by USA Today. Janine and I talked about how she got involved in making alternative diet foods, her obsession with Taco Bell, and why the Home Depot guys won't stop asking if she's finding everything all right. Also, you should know that Janine swears like a sailor, which I personally love, but it's not for everyone. If you're sensitive to curse words, or if you know little ears are listening, you'll want to pick a different episode. Okay, here's Janine Stone. Okay, so what I know about you is that you milk oats, not goats, but oats. Hard, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But you're also, so what I didn't know, here's how I found out about you. I think you followed me on Instagram, and I just casually looked over and it was like, oh my gosh, this person is, first of all, hysterical. 
and so irreverent, but also she talks about like milking oats, titties and like making this crazy granola. And she says she'll deliver it to my house. And so I actually had you do it and it was so tasty. And I don't have any kind of like, I don't have any dietary restrictions. So it's not like I need oat milk in my life, but man, if I did, I'd be so thrilled. You're doing a great job. God, I'm honored. Thank you. You're welcome. And that granola, I don't know what you're doing to that, but it's like, it's super cinnamony and crispy, which I appreciate. I don't like like the big chewy stuff. I like it very crispy. You're nailing it. Well, it's funny because a couple of weeks ago, or I guess a lot of weeks ago now, because it was at the beginning of quarantine, I really wanted to try making granola and I had only ever made it one time, probably about 10 years ago. And by made it, I mean, I put it in the oven and just burned it horribly. (laughs) No one would want to eat this. And a couple of weeks ago, I was all, I guess I'll just try making granola again because I was bored. Um, And that was the first batch that I made. And I was like, oh, it's pretty pretty decent um and then I got some interest in it and started selling it and so it just so happened that that was the first recipe and now people refer to it as crack so it's going pretty good wow so okay (laughs) but this is a side gig for you am I right it is so how are you even pulling this off because here just for listeners you're also if you give a girl a saw which I did not realize yeah yeah so i i have a problem where i just don't sleep and not because i don't get tired i get exhausted but i just if i keep myself vertical i just want to keep going 24 7. um but the second that i am in any form of horizontal position i am you're out, out cold like, yeah oh my gosh yeah you must be so busy and you said as we were trying to schedule this you said you were super busy with orders was that for woodworking or was that for the food it's for both. Um, so right now I've just been doing deliveries for the food every Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest of the week I'm at the shop woodworking. So mm-hmm. it's definitely been a very full-time situation. You're crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. But we <laughs> all benefit. So yay. <laughs> Keep being crazy. Thank God. Uh, how did you get into alternative kind of dietary stuff? Um, so it was a couple of years Years ago, actually, my boyfriend was diagnosed with Epstein-Barr, which is the virus that causes people to get mono. Yeah. Um, and if you have that at a time where your immune system is already a little bit weakened, if you're not getting enough sleep, if you're in high-stress situations, it can turn into more of an autoimmune disease that doesn't let up after your mono goes away. Hmm. Um, and so he started dealing pretty significantly with a lot of symptoms revolving around that and was dealing with pretty constant um, muscle aches and fatigue and nothing that he was doing was helping him feel better. And he was a wildland firefighter at the time. Hmm. And so that job is obviously very stressful on a body that's not feeling like it's quite at its peak. Um, So he started changing his diet a lot. And I would love to add right now that before that, I lived purely on Taco Bell and McDonald's. Not that I'm upset about that at all. It's my Did dream. Did you really though? When people say that, I always wonder, do you actually mean that? Like you really oh, every day? Every day. Wow. It was, yeah, it was a lifestyle for, for a while. <laughs> um, but I grew up in a really healthy home. My mom is an absolute fanatic about health. And so I went the polar opposite direction and I was like, I don't care about health at all. And I'll be completely fine living on gorditas all day every day yeah. and I was but then when 
uh, this dietary change happened at home, I felt like I would be really upset if I was trying to eat healthy and someone was bringing home food that I wanted to eat so badly every day. And so I kind of adopted that change with him. That's very Um, kind of you. That's very supportive. He deserves it. Yeah. So we uh, completely changed all of the food that we're bringing into this home. Every time we go grocery shopping, we're now we're like, God, can you imagine us a couple years ago looking at all this stuff that we're loading our car with? Just celery juice every single morning and salads and just things. I don't know. Everything healthy that I wouldn't have consumed before. Um, But it's it's been a journey because it's basically open my eyes to all of the ways that I can make foods that we really want, but in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like that's what makes it easier to stay on a healthy track too, because you're not like, Oh, I really want pizza, but I can't have pizza. You can, Mm -hmm. you just have to make it a little bit differently. Yeah. I totally agree with that. We, my husband has celiac disease and Mm -hmm. he doesn't always practice the diet, um, because Mm -hmm. beer is hard. Um, and gluten-free beer just ain't going to cut it. Mm-mm. So, um, but yeah, I've, uh, you have to want it. You have to have a reason to do it. I don't think anybody just will change over to like gluten-free or refined sugar-free unless they really find that they have a reason to. And so right. we, you know, we make it work. And there's so many foods that if you're really motivated, you can find the flavor in lots of different kinds of things. So like celery juice, as you're saying that, I'm like, I don't know if I would like that. But if I, if I tried it and I felt like it was doing something for me, maybe I would. Exactly. And I think that's what's convinced us to stay on this track because yeah, although drinking celery juice, you're not freaking out about how amazing it is the entire time. You just kind of get it down and keep it down and <laughs> it's got it's got good benefits it does make you feel really good yeah um and it's a really great detoxifying thing to put in your body every morning so i feel like seeing improvements especially for him since he's been the one struggling more with health mm-hmm. seeing the improvements through those things has been pretty amazing that is amazing okay so then it spun off into this business and it's not just it isn't just um the granola and the oat milk, you're doing all kinds of other things and refined sugar free, right? Yes. Which speaks to me. That's my, I love that. If I can find something like that, I'm always just so jazzed because there's very little out there that you can. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. So I, it's basically just the same recipes that I've been using for us the last couple years. Um, and because I like a lot of unhealthy food options, it, so crucial to me to find healthy alternatives like I was saying a minute ago so with the cookie dough for example I tried to find recipes that make it taste as you know quote-unquote normal as possible and you can't necessarily tell that oh it's made with coconut oil instead of hydrogenated oils it's so much healthier in those ways um and you know subbing out using maple syrup or coconut sugar instead of cane sugar or brown sugar yeah which you can do which you know coconut sugar is brilliant I mean it just it really works um it does all of the good Mm -hmm. stuff and none of the bad stuff right yeah it's amazing and I I, when I started this I really didn't intend for it to turn into a business at all I just I wanted to start a blog that was targeted around women staying in the kitchen and so I talk about that like 
I love it because, and also talk about your tone, just so, I mean, you swear so much. And I, I'm well, not a I big... I got on here. I'm not being myself right now, but you I can, felt like maybe I needed to keep it cool. Stop it. No, this, it's not like it's going to be on NPR or anything. You can oh, be... Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> okay. I just, do it. I just rocked my head back so far. I almost knocked the whole microphone over. Just got whiplash. <laughs> did. Yeah. So, I mean, I love that you are just, it feels like you're being yourself or is it put on no no that's me yeah yeah I normally I have the mindset that I'm like one day we're all going to be dead and nothing's going to matter so you might as well just be you while we're here because who cares yeah yeah right um did it start as a blog or did it start as a business it started as a blog so I started it right at the beginning of quarantine just because I thought it would be fun to put some recipes on there and I honestly didn't know how this pandemic was going to affect my actual day-to-day job. So I was like, oh, I might have a lot more time to be cooking and putting out recipes. But it turns out that was a joke and didn't happen, which is great. But (laughs) um, it's just been nuts. So I started doing that. And then one day I had posted a video on my story just of me making a batch of oat milk and granola. And it was just for my boyfriend and I. And a couple people were like, oh, are you selling that? That looks really good. Hmm. And I was like, I guess. (laughs) why not (laughs) you're such an entrepreneur I mean just the fact that you would even entertain that idea is you know that's what an entrepreneur does is they entertain ideas right I love turning anything and everything into a business yeah and anytime a friend tells me they're doing something I'm like oh god you need a website right now (laughs) I need to sell this immediately I have friends who sell things and have no website it blows my mind it's like no how I, I know. Age. <laughs> I know. It's a given. This is like, you know, this is a given. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah. how did you, how, I mean, tell me, where did you grow up? Where did this all begin? I grew up in Atascadero. Oh, so I haven't flown too far from the nest. I'm local. Yeah. Nice. Um, and moved to San Luis, took the big leap over the hill 10 years ago. Big city. Um, yeah, huge. And been here ever since. Yeah. But you started doing woodworking. I assume you didn't start doing that. That wasn't what you intended, right? When you were graduating high school and thinking what you wanted to oh, do. God, no. no, not at all. I So I was the worst student in high school imaginable just because I was bored and I've always kind of just been a shithead in those ways. And so I didn't take it seriously. And mm. Um, I ended up taking my GED after my junior year and went to Cuesta and I was majoring in biochemistry for a couple years Mm. and, um, I wanted to get into forensic interviewing. What does that mean? Um, they work with children who have gone through trauma Mm. and they basically interview them and try to get information for court proceedings and, um, so a couple years into college, I didn't really feel like that was the direction that I wanted to go anymore because I wasn't feeling like you'd actually have a whole lot of control of the outcome of these kids' lives. And it would just be a really heartbreaking job that I, there are people that can handle that very well. Mm-hmm. And I didn't necessarily know if I was one of them. Um, and so I decided to take a quarter off and kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And um, so I just kind of fucked off for a while and did whatever and serve tables and then I ended up getting into real estate and so yeah so I was selling houses for a couple years and I'm absolutely terrible at it 
I, I just don't have a salesman personality. Like if you want to buy something, I'll sell it to you, but I'm not good at walking in there and just closing that deal and convincing someone why they need to have that thing in their life. Yeah. That's a special um, talent. I mean, that absolutely. And I just didn't possess it. So I did that for a couple years. And then, um, during that time I was living in a little studio in slow and there was no closet there and I have way too many clothes for my own goods. So I had to get kind of creative with space and there was a big balcony. And so I put a couple armors out there and just had my closet outside with all the spideys. And I needed some sort of weatherproof enclosed shoe storage. And it doesn't exist because people keep their shoes in their home. So I was looking everywhere and nothing seemed like it would work. And I was like, I just feel like this is something I could kind of throw together on my own. And so I messed around and I built a little shoe rack and I just lost my fucking mind. I was all, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened. But did you know how to use the tool? I mean, was it all like hand tools and things? Uh, Yeah, it was. So I used just like a chop saw for that. And it was, I don't, I'm pretty like, there's a lot of YouTube videos for anything and everything, but it's right. pretty self-explanatory if you're just using like that one tool yeah <laughs> which because I didn't know how to use anything else but even as you say that I'm like it's so intimidating to me and I've used him my dad's a carpenter that's how I grew up with a carpenter for a dad and yeah. I still just I don't know like give me I a vacuum it. cleaner and I <laughs> that's <it>. right girl <laughs> right where you belong right. <laughs> Wait, you know, a sub, sub story. It's so funny that you say right where you belong because I remember when I had children, my husband and I both really believed that I was made, I was made a woman, I was made for parenting. And for some reason, we didn't talk about how maybe he was or wasn't, I don't know. It, it wasn't the same discussion as the one around me as a mother. Right. And I actually came to realize that um, I... I really don't think that any one person is made to do any one certain job. I just learned that because parenting for as like head over heels crazy about my kids as I am, it's not an easy, it doesn't come easily to me. So when you say like stay in the home, there are people who are so home oriented, great, you know, homekeepers, cooks, all of that. And I really don't excel at that for as much as I love cooking at home. I'm not very good at it. Um, And so anyway, but I love that you kind of flip it on its head and say, no, stay, you know, stay at home. It gives me freedom to be like, no, I want to stay home today. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, I, exactly. and I'm good at the vacuum cleaner. I am. Damn right you that. are. You own that. <laughs> <laughs> but I you were that. not intimidated with the chop saw. No, and I, it's partially a personality type on my part where I don't, think things through before I do them for the most part. I'm mm-hmm. extremely impulsive. And so if I have my mind slightly set on something that I want to do, I'm doing it before I've really had the time to think about it, which is honestly the only reason that a bitch in kitchen or if you give a girl a saw turned into businesses, because <laughs> if I, if I knew everything that I know now, um, just having gone through all the motions of running that business, if I knew all of that going into it, it would have been so intimidating. Mm. And there's so many what ifs then, and um, you can just go in circles in your head all day, convincing yourself of why you shouldn't do something. But at the end of the day, what's the worst thing that could go wrong? Mm -hmm. If I 
you know, I could lose a finger, but it's not, that's also not the end of the world. There are lots of people who are missing fingers who lead very happy, fulfilled lives. Yeah. And their hands are still really nice. (laughs) So (laughs) it would be totally fine. That is honestly my worst fear though. I'm more scared of that happening than my business just like blowing up and failing. Why do you think that is? Is it the pain? Mm, No, I think it's vanity to be honest. It's not a very good reason. No, no. it may not be a good reason, but it's a real reason. I feel you on that for sure. No, absolutely. I just, I don't want to have nubs on my hands, but you know what? (laughs) If it happens, I'm sure it'll be really character building and I'll be fine. (laughs) I'm curious about, can, can we talk a little bit about gender and with the work that you do? I mean, I, I, I hate it when people bring it around to this first thing, but I'm going to do it because I'm curious. What's it been like? Well, because it's real and it's different. I mean, what has it been like to be this? You're very celebrated woodworker. You've really accomplished a lot. Um, Thank you. And I'm sure people ask you all the time, like, what's it like to be? And you're also just beautiful. So what's it like to be a beautiful woman um, doing a job that you rarely see a woman doing? Right. Um, It has been interesting in a lot of ways. And I feel like, so for me, I'm, this might come off wrong initially so hear me out yep i am not a feminist in any way i think that you prove the largest point by just going out there and doing what you want to do rather than um having such a vocal stance behind demanding you know equality for women i think that it's more powerful if you get out there and just do what you want to do don't ask for anyone's approval. And I think that if that was more of a, of a movement of just getting out there and showing that you're capable of the things that you're saying you're capable of, that's amazing. And so I think that's been more my stance in that world. It's just like, you know, there's, there's been a lot of, you know, older middle-aged men in that industry that, make comments and say things that they don't realize that what they're saying is coming off in a very sexist way. Hmm, I'm they're, sure. Yeah. You know, they're just saying what comes to their mind and you're kind of internalizing that and thinking, damn, okay. I would not necessarily, that's really condescending. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say that to anybody. Yeah. Um, and it's been, it has been character building for me going through those situations and, thinking about how I want to respond to that. Like what is the most effective way to respond to those comments? I don't think that it's by shaming them and putting them down and telling them how awful it was. They said something. I almost educating them. Yeah, exactly. Because I think that it's going to make the person on the other end of that less receptive. They're not really going to hear what you're saying. And so I prefer to take more of a humorous response to it and just say something that's a slight um, insight into like, Hey, what you just said was kind of fucked up and maybe you didn't realize, but this is how it came off. Yeah. Tell Um, me as, I mean, tell me something specific. What did somebody say to you once? We all want to know. Can you think of uh, anything? Let's dish it. Um, there was one that actually happened a couple days ago at Home Depot and this is where it happens a lot (laughs) because really, I'm shocked. (laughs) Right. You would think I would know what I'm doing in there, but I just, I look like this lost puppy. Oh, yeah. And so um, a lot of times I am asked just multiple times when I'm in there, oh, do you, do you need help? Are you in a way totally. where they're like 
are you okay? <laughs> and so in those situations, that's almost what I'm talking about, where they are not, they're asking you because they are trying to put you down in any way. But yeah, as a woman going into a store like that, you're probably going to be asked more times if you're mm-hmm. finding everything okay. And if you need help finding something. So I was in there and um, I was getting some blinds for a client remodel. And so I saw this Home Depot employee walk past me and I didn't need help at that time. Um, and then a couple minutes later, I did need him to cut down the blinds for me. And so I went to go and find somebody for help and it happened to be him. And he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't ask if you need help. I figured you were waiting for your husband. And so in that situation, it's like, okay, he probably did. He's this, you know, he's in his sixties. He grew up in a different time and, and maybe I was waiting for my husband. Well, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I've been the little woman in Home Depot. So, I mean, you know, they probably see a lot of wives, girlfriends walking around. Yeah. But isn't that interesting that the assumption is that you would be waiting for someone coming out of the bathroom or something? Right. And you wouldn't assume that if you saw a man in there, you wouldn't be like, oh, I thought you were waiting for your wife. However, if you saw a guy in a mall or in a department store, you might assume that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But what if he's there for that for himself? I think that it's almost a double standard in certain ways, because I'm like, okay, well, they they can go in places that seem more feminine then and we aren't allowed to pretend like they look out of place. This is very true. You are right. Yeah. But uh, in that situation, I, I initially, sometimes I'm not sure how to respond because those comments can almost catch you so off guard for a second that you're just like, oh, okay. Um, but I just responded to him and said something along the lines of like, um, oh, like still looking for him. I, you know, I don't, you, do you want to help? I don't know. I don't know where he is. And... <sighs> He kind of laughed at that, and I don't know if he thought more about it or not, but at the end of the day, oh, well, so he thought that I was waiting for my husband. Sure, totally. I just, when I walk in there, we're in there a fair amount, and if I have to go, um, I get asked. I mean, you know, big, burly guys with guts walking in, and no (laughs) one says anything, but the moment I walk in, it's, oh how can I help you? Can I, I help know. you find something? Yeah. And it's great. I'm so glad that they're willing. And half the time I'm like, yeah, I need help finding something. But it just right. makes me want to avoid them. I don't want to oh, have I this know. conversation. The only me. perk is that we're not the burly guy with the gut. Yeah. <laughs> I would, you know, if you had to pick one. <laughs> I'd pick I'd me. I'd rather than ask if I need help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. Well, what's it been like to own your own business? I mean, you talk about being impulsive and that's how the business is started. But I mean, what happens when you get crazy orders? I know that you've done, I think, didn't you do all of the furniture, at least all of the beds for like Hotel Piccolo and you've done a lot of stuff. How do you deal with so many orders and only so much time? And I'm assuming also only so much space. Right. Um, Survival mode. It's, I agree to things in those exact same scenarios before I think them through. So if someone asks me if I can do something, I'm like, oh yeah, of course. And right after I say that, I'm like, Janine, you can't just say that shit. Like you need to actually think about what you're agreeing to. And so that pushes me a lot of times into working 16 hour days for a month or two straight where I just don't get a break. And um, 
at that point, it's just all mentality for me. If I can keep my outlook positive, I'm pretty good through the whole thing and I'm tired at the end of it, but it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think most of it in those situations is just how I mentally handle it. And um, it's definitely gone through some growing pains. I think, uh, you know, as you do something longer, you're obviously going to become more efficient time-wise at doing that thing. So if I look at how long it took me a couple years ago to build something and think back to those times of like when I thought that I was so busy then, I'm all, oh, honey, like you had it so damn good. (laughs) And now it's, you know, if I had seen the amount of things that I'm trying to build now, I would have probably just passed away at the thought. So it's, it's definitely training yourself in a way to become more efficient in that craft. Um, and I think that my level of impulsiveness plays into that a lot too, because mm-hmm. I agree to something and I'm really excited about it and I'm going to make it happen no matter what. Yeah. And do you, um, have, do you have a staff? Do you have other people that help you at all? I don't. I had an assistant for a couple of months before the pandemic. And so that was very short lived, but I mm-hmm. am actually planning on bringing someone on again here pretty soon because it's, it's insane. And did it, it get busier for you or less busy when coronavirus hit? It actually got busier, which I was really surprised about. Um, I had a feeling that people were going to be hurting for money and things like furniture and remodeling come very low on the list of things that you actually need. And I was really taken aback because a lot of people are still working from home. So they Mm -hmm. do still have an income. And um, therefore, a lot of remodeling has been happening and smaller home projects. And so there's definitely been an increase and I'm so insanely grateful for that and just hoping that that continues. And, um, my last resort is I'm going to change my woodworking business to building coffins because they're going to be so pretty. Your style is very, um, I mean, how do you, how would you define your style? Um, pretty minimal. I really like a a clean, simple, modern look. I really like a lot of mid-century modern furniture. So it's kind of a combination of that and then more of a modern twist on a lot of it. Um, And that's definitely evolved too. I started out doing more wood inlay and over time it's kind of morphed into just doing whatever furniture people want. And then I just kind of make that tie into my style and something that they like and um, so it's, yeah, it's always a, on a little roller coaster going places that I don't know. <laughs> so it's a lot of custom stuff then it sounds like. It is. Yeah. Um, I started on Etsy and so I was doing more product line stuff. Then I just had a, a bunch of things that people would just order from those, um, selections. Mm-hmm. But as time has gone on, it's gotten to be a lot more custom work than, um, just doing you know, mass production for one person. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. Were you creative as a kid? Did you start, le- like, did you have a lemonade stand? And did you, did you like to cook and bake and that kind of thing? I did, yeah. I've always been very, I guess, entrepreneurial would be the word in that way. I've always wanted to make money with everything and 
craft things. And the second that I would start something, I'd be like, all right, this is it. And I could picture me at 30 still doing the same thing when I was five. And um, my mom actually just found this article the other day when I was in preschool, we had to answer a question of what do you want to be when you grow up? And my answer had about 25 different jobs in it. Not even jobs. One of the things I wanted to be was a flamingo, but (laughs) it's just a slew of everything that you could want to be. I wanted to be a doctor and a ballerina and Minnie Mouse and a flamingo. And it ended up getting published in the newspaper because they thought that it was so ridiculous. Um, And so my mom just found that recently and she's all, all right, well, you still are just as here, there, and everywhere with the things you want to do. You are. Yeah. Did you grow up with siblings? I did. Yeah. I have an older sister and a little brother. I was going to say, um, yeah, you strike me as, um, I would have thought actually that you were the, the youngest, very, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Playful. And like, also I think about, I think of the oldest, I'm a firstborn and we tend to, if I can speak for all of us, um, (laughs) as as a species, I, I think that we tend to think things too far into the future. We think too hard. We plan too hard. And I feel like that can be to our detriment, but it can also kind of save a project. But also the youngest, I think, is very impulsive. But if it's successful, it's like so successful. Um, I'm making huge sweeping generalizations. But no I, no, I love it. It's really interesting. Yeah. Are you, you said that you're the second girl, though. Second girl, yeah, hmm. and the little brother, and and also the middle child. Do you feel like you're a typical middle child at all? Uh, sometimes yes, and sometimes no. I I've talked to a lot of middle children where I'm like, God, we have a weird amount of things in common, yeah. and so then I'll be fixated that like, yeah, I just feel like all middle children are the same. But then I'll relate to someone so well who's an only child or yeah. oldest child where I I don't know maybe. We're all across the board a little bit. Of but, course we are. Totally. We're all yeah. seeking meaning in whatever we can. And, right. Uh, <laughs> it's so true. Sometimes that's birth order. Yeah. Sometimes. That oh, yeah. Did, no, you, did you have a like a role model or somebody that inspired you when you were a kid? Hmm. Somebody crafty, creative. Like, like you say that the first cut you ever made was what? Like in your 20s, something like that? Yeah, I was 22. And maybe the first time you ever really like got in there and made, I keep saying alternative foods, but you know what I mean, where you're like really messing with the food, not just doing a Betty Crocker recipe, but something more custom. Did anybody do that when you were growing up? You said your mom was super healthy. Um, My mom is extremely health conscious. Yeah. So since the beginning of time, she's been on the whole organic and locally grown and that whole bandwagon. Um, and she, so she definitely ate really healthy, but wasn't a big cook. So we didn't normally, I honestly was just thinking about this actually. And I don't remember what I ate as a child. Yeah. I fully blocked it out of my memory, probably because I hated it because it was so healthy, but she, um, she was definitely on that bandwagon pretty early because I feel like now that's more of a trendy thing yes. almost to be gluten-free because that's the cure for everything. And right. is um, it, Do you think it is? Are you gluten-free? No. I am with the things that I cook at home are all gluten-free and vegan. Um, but in general, if I go out to eat, I'm, I'm not. I try to stay away from gluten a little bit more, um, but I'm not super strict about it for the most part. 
I, and it's honestly just because I lack self-control. Hmm. Otherwise, <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> Gluten-free and vegan is so hard. Cut yourself some slack. Yeah. That is hard. It is. It's, it's really hard, especially, too, with food options for going out to eat. Totally. Because you go out to eat, and that's not an easy thing to avoid. Most recipes have wheat or eggs or milk right. in all of them. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely, it's harder in that sense. I think for eating at home, it is surprisingly easy to cook healthy. And I think that that's something that is intimidating for a lot of people, the cost that goes into it yes. and the, the time and feeling like it's confusing. It's really not that expensive and not that time consuming. I've found such simple recipes that you can whip up really fast that are really healthy and they're really good yeah um and as far as it being expensive too I was actually really shocked about that when we started shopping healthy because I had always had it in my head as I think a lot of people do that buying organic buying locally grown buying healthy things that that comes at a high cost mm. and if you shop right it really doesn't you mm. can still cook three dollar dinners if you want well and how do you shop are you doing are you going to Whole Foods or Mm -hmm. okay. We do shop at Whole Foods, but so much of what we buy is fruits and vegetables. Yeah. And that I feel like isn't really that much different than just going to any other store. Yeah. It's more once you get into their like specialty stock goods, I feel like that is more expensive. Yes. And in fact, actually, Whole Foods has some of the best stone fruit every summer. The peaches, nectarines, plums, apricots mm -hmm. there are superior in every way right? to They're anywhere so else. Good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love them. We used to call Whole Foods Whole Paycheck. Like, it, yeah, same here. <laughs> it's so fucking expensive for all of the all the specialty things. Yes, I, and like, it's, you can go to a different store and the exact same brand, the exact same thing is two dollars less. Yeah, God forbid you should need queso fresco and you're in Whole Foods. It's like yeah, sorry. fifteen dollars later. <laughs> right? Don't be so good. <laughs> <laughs> the worst <laughs> or all of their refined sugar-free chocolates are so good but i'm i can't spend eight bucks for chocolate i, I just can't do it same here it's so hard to justify yes it is hard to justify and vegan i the only reason i struggle with not the only reason but the only the one of the only reasons i struggle with vegan cooking is i just eat like a horse i eat so much food and I can't do, I can only do so much sweet potatoes. Like I, I just, it's not the same for me as like, I have to throw in nuts, but I have to throw in like a lot. I don't know. I, it, it could have something to do with my blood type or my, I don't know, my um, genetics. Maybe it's very possible. And do you mean subbing that in for like a protein instead of doing yes. meat? Yeah, I mean, because think about proteins. If you're a vegan, there are very few options that I know of. And I don't really get into tofu and seitan and all that kind of thing. So right. nuts, beans, mm, cheese. Oh, yep, vegan. Right, you can't. Nope, can't. <laughs> so nuts and beans. And beans aren't even like super high in protein. So how do you do that? Um. We eat a lot of jackfruit as a substitute for protein. Um, and for the most part, so with my boyfriend's diet that he's following, he isn't actually having a high protein intake. Mm. And it's a unconventional opinion. 
um, because I think that a lot of times people are very fixated on making sure that they have enough protein in their diet. And with, he follows the medical mediums um, diet. I don't know if you've heard of him. Medical medium? Medical medium, yeah. And he has very specific foods that basically help detox your liver. And he believes that that's where autoimmune diseases breed and that if you're able to cleanse out your liver really heavily on a constant basis, that that really helps your body to heal. So what about, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, please. Oh, no, no, you're good. Um, So that diet is, is low protein. So it hasn't really been on the forefront of our minds with changing our whole diet. Um, We honestly just don't have a very high protein intake now. And so where he gets a lot of proteins through um, vegetables, he eats a lot of spinach and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I am an avid hater of vegetables. I am five years old when it comes to that. I, I won't do it. And so still, I you still I'm, won't. I won't. I can't. It's what are so you horrible. That's so like if you're vegan and mm-hmm. gluten free, what are you eating? Are you just like cashews all day long? Oh, and jackfruit. God damn, they're so good. Well, okay, here's the thing. I think that there is a misconception that being vegan and gluten-free is necessarily healthy. Yeah, yeah. It's really not necessarily. It's healthy if you make it healthy, but mm-hmm. just the same way as how you can not be vegan or gluten-free and be just as healthy yeah. with that diet. So I think um, for me, I've cut those things out of my diet for the most part. The only times that I eat them are just if I go out to eat. Yeah. Um, that I just end up snacking all day. Yeah. Like I'll have little protein bar bites or no, my cookie dough, dude, I cannot stop. I eat that shit by the spoon just all day, every day. That would be right so before we hopped on here. That would be so hard. My it's oh. horrible. What's the, what's your favorite thing you've got right now? Uh, favorite thing is I started making s'mores cookie dough with marsh with actual marshmallows in them. Yeah. And they're, they're vegan and gluten free. And so I always say if it's vegan and gluten free, it's basically a salad. There's no guilt. You just get to down that shit and never look back. (laughs) And so these doughs I have. So like at the end of the week, I'll end up with like a little bit left over that didn't make up a full pint. And so I just have a a shit ton of those in my fridge all the time. It's taken a toll. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I know. I'm thinking about digestion. I'm. I'll be honest. I'm just thinking. Oh gosh, that's. I know. I have an iron stomach. I think from what I put my body through with Taco Bell and McDonald's for so long, it sings to me. Like my body loves it. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's. It, yes, it's um, an acquired taste. Your body is. It's um, adjusted really well to those. Foods. It has. Yeah. Really proud. Um, you, sh- you really should be. <laughs> if I'm curious, if it was your last day on earth and you oh. knew you wouldn't be around tomorrow, would you have a gordita? Is that what you would choose for today? Oh, you bet your ass I would. I would have so many gorditas. <laughs> I want to be buried in gorditas. I, um, but I wouldn't be able to just get a gordita. You'd have to get like, a solid $30 worth of Taco $30 Bell. $30 is a lot at Taco Bell. I know. So tell me your feast. Give me the, set the scene. All right. You want the lowdown? Let's mm. talk about it. Okay. When I go to Taco Bell, I enter the doors. 
I immediately feel like I have been brought home to Jesus. And I get um, a Crunchwrap Supreme, but I sub beans for the beef. And this is not a vegan choice. This is pure, obviously, because it's filled with sour cream and cheese. Right. But um, I've been doing this for a long time just because I think it tastes better. Yeah. Um, and, and their beans are... It- their beans are better than the beef. I don't know. This is me. They're okay. Than I'm any bean, Jamie. It's I'm not part of your last day. I'm just gonna butt out. Okay, continue. <laughs> you can be my last day. You can come to talk about. Um, so, Crunchwrap Supreme sub beans. Yeah. And um, and then I add extra nacho cheese because hot shit, that stuff is good. It is the best. Um, so I get that. I get um a bean burrito. Mm. Add sour cream. Classic, classic gordita. Um, and then you don't just go simple gordita. You go cheesy gordita crunch. What is, and t- what is that? Okay, so it's like this pillow of dough that they put cheese on it and melt that, but they melt it around a hard taco shell. What so you're already, everyone's salivating right now. It's so good. And then they put uh, beef and tomatoes and lettuce and sour cream and cheese. And they just wrap that baby up for you. That does and, sound good. But here's the secret. Mm. You have to get a side of nacho cheese and then you dip everything in it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just not Taco Bell without it. Am I, am I, I'm kicking you off the wagon right now, aren't I? I'm like feeling guilty as we talk because you are. We're off our Zoom meeting right now, I'm like, how'd it go? <laughs> Like <laughs> so wait, I'm curious though about booze. So do you, do you and your boyfriend not drink alcohol? He doesn't at all anymore. It's very rare. Like every few months we'll go somewhere and he'll drink. But, um, for the most part, he's completely off, yeah. which is, I think socially a hard transition because drinking is such a social thing so if you go out somewhere with friends and everyone's drinking it's kind of shitty to have to be the person that's like man i can't have a drink but he has handled it so well and has been pretty positive about it for the most part and able to just kind of look at the benefits that this whole diet change has had for him rather than focus on that and um but yeah i I do think socially at times it's a bummer yeah not be able to but such a knee-jerk um, thing though too it's like i wonder often how much is it really lubricating us socially is it just right. a thing that we go for or is it actually changing the way we behave i think that it is such a learned behavior we're also used to that so mm-hmm. i think that if you are going somewhere with friends if you're going out to dinner everyone's getting drinks and if you're going to someone's house people are bringing wine and beer and so it's such a habit I think for everybody yep. mm-hmm. absolutely and I think that it's also that a lot of people feel a certain amount of awkwardness and it just breaks the ice yeah um so I think that it's definitely it's a social lubricant if you will yeah yeah well I'm so glad to talk to you and this is I'm so great so glad to meet you and it's so awkward on zoom but if if we see each other around we say have to say hello Absolutely. I hope we do. Yeah. And thank you. And just so impressed with everything you're doing. Please keep milking those oats. Oh, girl, there's not going to be a plump oat titty in sight. I'm going to milk them all. Milk them dry. (laughs) It's very, it's small work. You know, it's, it's technical work. 
Yeah. It is. They're so little. They're so little. Well, thanks again. And um, yeah, I'll tell people how to get a hold of your stuff. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This was great. Thanks so much for listening to Consumed as always. I'm so glad you joined me. Consumed is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. If you want to get all kinds of tidbits like recipes, updates on guests, and new seasons, join the Consumed mailing list at letsgetconsumed.com or follow me on Instagram at J-A-I-M-E-C-L-E-W-I-S. Until next season, wear your mask, wash your hands, cook dinner, send letters to your loved ones, support your local purveyors, and make a budget for takeout. Every little bit helps. Take care, everyone.